When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and uh, we have got a special guest host uh, this week. So we have got Jamie Rivers, who is involved in Blues Hockey Camp, going on at Centene right now. Uh, our, our absolute homie, Jeff Burton, is still uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. So uh, joining me today uh, to do the Last Minute Blues podcast, Mr. Chris Kerber, your voice of the blues. How you doing, Kerbs? Listen, with 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 the changes that are happened for this week... I guess I get to ask you, being the main host of the show, the questions as you are the expert. Oh boy! If you're going to call me an expert at anything, man, this is going to be <laughs> this is not going to be a good time, Curves. <laughs> the reason that this works is because I very much know that I am not the expert. But you know, I want I do want to tell everybody though that Jamie and I did get an opportunity last week, last Thursday. We went and visited Jeff for a while. We ended up we were there for almost a couple of hours, and. Um, his spirits. That's were, a good stretch of energy. Then I, I feel like yeah. I feel like it, you know. Um, but uh, he was in really great spirits and was making fun of me every chance that he had the opportunity to, and so it was really uh, it was really awesome to see him. And yeah, we, listen, we know he's in just the battle of all battles, but uh, that kind of fighter spirit, the hockey guy in him. The hockey guy in him leaves, and I'm telling you, I've seen it before. The mind is such a powerful thing. The mind can control some stuff here. Uh, you know, not not to the point of Star Wars mind tricks, but it is a it is a powerful uh, it is a powerful thing. So I'm glad you guys are able to spend some time with him. That's that's fantastic. And I think, and I'm pretty sure that this is coming to fruition tomorrow. But his favorite band, Blue October, is in town with Goo Goo Dolls, and I believe that Justin, the lead singer from Blue October, is going to surprise Jeff tomorrow and give him a little. Give him a little visit, play some songs. For this him isn't going to air before that, is it? Uh, no, it will not air. Okay, before good. That. Well, also too. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's what I would have to bet on: is Jeff pulling up the podcast and giving us a listen, and I just don't see don't that. See that happening. I don't see that as happening. You. Okay. So, uh, Curbs, I, I hope that uh, you know there's a lot of hockey to talk about, but I just got back a week or so ago from uh, from a summer vacation, the first Fandango family summer vacation in three summers. Wow! All right, we went to. Four Fort Morgan, Alabama, all right, right near Gulf Shores. Right on the Gulf Shores. I know where that is. Had an absolutely amazing time. Now, from time to time, Curbs, there are things that happen in the day-to-day life that would not chap most people, but they have a tendency to get to me, 
All right. <laughs> and one of those situations occurred on the beach. It's, and it's I'm a just special curious. aspect of your DNA is yeah. what you're saying, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. And so it's, it, it's situations like this where I kind of throw something out to Jeff and Jamie, and then I can, you know, kind of j- judge from there whether I'm, you know, crazy or not. So I guess this was like the third or fourth day that we're going to this beach. There's not a lot of people on the beach, thankfully. But we're going to kind of the spot that we had went to the few days before, and there is a tent with people, um, and they are blaring knights in white satin. That uh, knights in white satin. So the only day that we we're there, or the, the the only time that this happened while we were there, this guy for the hours in which that he were there, his music was on full blast. Throughout the course of the afternoon. Because he right. wanted to be able to hear it anywhere he would be on the beach. I, I would assume so. Or now, he was just trying to be too cool for school. I would think so. Okay, because listen, man, I like my music at the beach too. I do. But like we bring a little speaker. We try to make it loud enough so that we can hear in our tent area. But then once you're out in the water, who cares, who man? Cares? Like, right. What are we doing? So this whole time, and then also, too, what drove me absolutely insane, Curbs, is that I think this guy's playlist was like seven or eight songs because I heard Nights in White Satin like Uh. 40 times on that (laughs) afternoon. I'm not crazy to think that this guy should be a little nicer and like, you know, turn the volume down just a little bit because I've had people on the air say that I'm like a party killer and no fun and all that kind of stuff. I'm fun. I'm a lot of fun. I just thought that was rude. Well, did you go kick sand in his face? Oh, no, man, no. We were too busy having a good time, dude. Like, ultimately, it really, you know, didn't matter. And then once I was in my tent, I could hear my, you know, 60s Motown jams or whatever I was listening to. Yeah, but it's still just the general thought that creeps under my skin a little bit. It's the general thought that uh, you're living in his world. I don't think you're nuts. I just think that you just, unfortunately, for that one day had just what too many people deal with these days, which is... People just not having enough courtesy for others around them. Yeah, that's simple. But and also too, and and I and I but and I would knew- this be different if his playlist was better, was better <laughs> and longer. Like let's. So my daughter said the other day, um, she's gotten like crazy nuts into country music. Okay, and and so so when I'm playing like like thirty seconds to Mars and stuff or something to get her, I'm like okay. Change it up for a little bit, and we're going this route while we're driving. But when uh, uh, she says, okay, well, she goes, well, I got one country playlist, Dad, that's 24 hours long. I said, what's the point of that? Okay. I mean, even if you listen to for your list for 20 minutes a day, you know, while you're driving somewhere, okay, that, that would take you three days to get through one hour do 24 times 3 that's 60 plus 12 that's 72 days worth of music before you've ever heard a repeat and but having said that if this guy had say a four-hour playlist that was good you might be thinking something totally different. I, I, maybe I we could link up speakers or something I don't I, I, I just well, would have been good as if you'd gone over to him and said, hey, you mind mixing in a little, like, 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 I don't know, start, like, hit hit the Pandora channel and give us some variety. Right. Because if you're going to play it that loud, all right, fine. But at least give us some variety. A hundred percent. And then you should have recorded that conversation, yes. like, the audio of it, because that would be awesome to have well, right now. And also, too, it might be evidence for when the guy tries to smash me in the face <laughs> also. I'll tell you another thing that I, I mean, I expected but didn't completely expect is so every single 
you know, like tent of somebody that were, that, that were at that beach. Every one of them besides us had a college football team in which that they were representing. And a majority of them were what, what was Alabama, obviously. But it was just so... Wait, was it was it obvious on their shorts, their umbrellas, or their coolers? Everything. Okay. Like, seriously. like and, and then, like, they would have these, like, banners in their tents for Tennessee. And for, it was... It, it just... Uh, that is just a world that I still don't, I think, fully comprehend how gigantic that it is and how much fun that it can be because I've just never been in that kind been of that college football hotbed sort of thing. Do you... Okay, you understand your passion for blues hockey Mm -hmm. and how strong that is. Yeah, a little crazy. And you will miss things to watch a game or go to a game. Like that, like it it can dominate your world for a while. Yes. Okay. That's the same thing as as SEC football. There's just so many more fans to it. And I'll give you I'll give you two quick stories on this. One, so I worked in Birmingham, Alabama for two years, all right, in the East Coast Hockey League. Mm If on a Saturday night, Alabama and Auburn played during the day, if they both lost, this honest to God, this is the truth, if they both lost, you can get into just about any restaurant around town, whether it be a nice restaurant to Applebee's, okay, in 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 no time, like no wait. If one won and the other lost, and this isn't them playing together, right? You know, let's say Alabama's playing LSU and and Auburn is playing Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. If Alabama won and Auburn lost, or Auburn won and Alabama lost, you were looking at about a forty minute to an hour wait in most places. If they both won, forget it, barbecue. Like if they both <laughs> won, you were waiting two hours because everybody Everybody's everybody was out partying. But when when Mizzou jumped to the SEC. Eli Gold, who used to do Birmingham Bulls hockey. Actually, I'm sorry, he used to do Birmingham Barons baseball and when he was doing NASCAR. And then the owner of the Barons baseball team told him that, uh, look, I can't have you missing games to go do your car racing thing. you got to pick one. And he says, okay, do I pick AA baseball or NASCAR? I think I'll go NASCAR. Yeah. He does that, and then he he becomes the voice of Alabama football and Alabama sports. And Eli Gold actually did a full season of St. Louis Blues hockey in 1979. Oh wow! Yeah, he was he was the um, he, the, the first ever Blues Red Wings game at Joe Louis Arena. You'll hear highlights of that, and and it was Eli on the call there. And then most recently, I'd say five or six years ago, Eli Gold did uh, did a season of. Um, might even be six or seven years ago, but he did a full season of Nashville Predators hockey. So he's got a hockey background. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had him on on the radio show I was doing, and and I said, Eli, for people that don't fully understand SEC, which is quite a bit different passion than we saw in the Big Eight, the Big Ten, and then whatever conference it was Missouri was in at the time they made the move. Give us an example. He says, okay, this is the best I could give you. Alabama was going to play University of Hawaii in Hawaii. People are so nuts and passionate. It's not just, hey, I'm going to go fly to Hawaii to see Alabama play. That's one thing. We could all understand that, right? Okay. We, I mean, we've seen, I mean, we, we saw tons of Blues fans in 2009 fly over to Stockholm, Sweden and, and play and watch the team play, and that was awesome. These guys, these fans, bunches of them, drove their RVs to the port of Los Angeles, put their RVs on a boat, shipped their RVs 
over to Hawaii <laughs> so they could tailgate before the game in their own RVs with what they did. They, I mean, again, a total different level of <laughs> hype. That is incredible. Yeah. Shipped, I mean, you imagine, I don't, I don't even know what the cost to put I, your what, RV on the, forget the cost of gas even, even then to drive your RV to Los Angeles and the time that takes, but then you have to plan ahead off ahead. Now, what I didn't ask him was this. Well, that had to take some time. Absolutely. So I can't imagine that they just did that in just a week. Maybe they did, but because I, I don't know how long it takes to go from the port of Los Angeles to Hawaii on boat. But so did did they not use their RV the previous week? <laughs> it was more important to have it for the Hawaii for thing. the Hawaii thing than the pre. I, so, but anyway, that's it almost the level. makes me yeah. feel like not a great fan. I, I mean, <laughs> because man, that is that, that is that is otherworldly. Another thing I remember is a bunch of the, in near where we were staying, where like the the sewers were in the ground, they yeah. were painted auburn colors oh yeah and, oh it's, it's it's insane it's but, listen this is when okay there were two things that happened that sped up my i've got to get a tape out and get out of here okay so i i graduate from college and i get my first job in birmingham alabama phil roberto was our head coach former blue okay all right there were two, so at the end of my second year, anybody, and, and heck, you know this in radio. You know when you started out and you were an intern somewhere or something, whatever, and then maybe okay, we're gonna we'll give you the weather, we'll give you the sports, you'll do the overnights, and no matter where it was, you were scouring and waiting for that an, an opening for a normal shift. Yeah, and you'd apply for it, you wouldn't get it, you know. But but you were always. You're always kind of like that prairie dog waiting for an earthquake. You're always just kind of looking around for that next opportunity, right? Absolutely. Okay. Same thing for a guy, whether, you know, for every broadcaster in the minor leagues hoping to get a chance at the big leagues, whether it's baseball, football, hockey, whatever the sport. So I believe, I, I want to think, I have to, I think it was Washington Pittsburgh had a four overtime playoff game. And I watched that game. It was on ESPN. And I, I, I watched the whole game in my apartment, and I get in the next morning to our office, and I went, wow, what did you guys think of that game? Anybody think that nobody else in the office had watched it? And we work for a hockey team. I went, okay, I'm at the point. i, I got to get around more. Like, if I'm going to continue to really learn the game, yeah. I, I've got to get around more people that really want to learn the game. You know, you could have conversations. The other thing that happened right around that time, I, for some reason, I was going into the office early. It was like 6.30 in the morning. I turn on WJOX, the all-sports station that our games were carried on. The guy hosting the morning show was taking phone calls. It's 6.30 in the morning in June. And a caller called in and asked, wanted to know how fast this Alabama recruit ran the 40-yard dash. Right. And I honestly got to remember thinking... And I think I was driving right past a Golden Corral when I saw this, okay? Because I, I, like, I remembered it. Like, it, it, I thought, who the hell wakes up in the morning? And while I'm, you're pouring milk on your Cheerios, and for this guy, it might have been more like beer on cornflakes, okay? 
And that's what you're thinking to make you call up a radio station at 6.30 in the morning and say, I got to know this before the day starts. Now, maybe he was working a night shift and his day was ending. Sure. So I'm gonna, I'll give him that. But I still thought, I got to get out of here. And literally that night, I went home. I made 50 tapes or so. I, I mail merged in the early days of Microsoft, right? Mail merge. I, ma- I, I grabbed... Uh, Two books. I grabbed the media guide for the International Hockey League, the media guide for the American Hockey League. Mail merged. I wrote cover letters. Boom, 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 boom. And I sent tapes out to every single team in the American Hockey League. And it, so, and, and I was working off a boom box. Okay, so I, I literally went to the store, bought 50 cassette tapes, mm-hmm. right? And literally was just hitting play, record, one tape, play, record, two tapes. And I did this thing, and by 8 o'clock the next morning, went to the post office, literally with like, I don't know, it had to be 55, uh, the number of teams, and literally every team in the American League, every team in the International Hockey League. And the International Hockey League at the time, remember, it consisted of like like the Cincinnati Cyclones, the Las Vegas Thunder, um, uh, the I think the San Diego Gulls were in International Hockey mm-hmm. League. There was the Utah Grizzlies. There were, there were like a whole lot of uh, – um, Denver – was it Utah? Grizzlies are one of them. Indianapolis Ice, mm-hmm. you know. For, so, so I mean, it was still a solid. It was, you know, that, that's why the Blues were affiliated. Peoria was in the International Hockey League, right, 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 at the time. But so literally sent fifty tapes out at the post. Just went, dumped them in, said, "Here's the postage," here and and sent them out. I got two calls back after all that. One was from a guy named Bob Strum uh, that said, "Hey, uh, I thanks for sending me the tape, but I opened it up and uh, the cover letter you sent me, the actual cover letter was addressed to the guy in." Uh, in Long Beach, oh. the Ice Dogs. I went. I went. Whoops! There's two jobs I'm not getting. <laughs> I put it in the wrong envelope. But I love the guy for calling me to tell me that. Yeah. Okay. And when I got to the National Hockey League, and he was doing scouting all those years in, later in, in uh, out of West and Anaheim and stuff like that, I, I reintroduced myself. And every time we'd go in, we'd have great conversations. So I love that part. And then the other one was from Bruce Landon in Springfield. And you know, a month and a half or so later, I ended up getting the job and moving up to Springfield. But it was because. Of just there was just that literally six thirty in the morning. Yeah, how fast does this Alan guy recruit <laughs> run a forty yard? I'm like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> do you do you ever come across like your old tapes and things? I've got them. I'll give them to you. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll let, you know what? You guys could have some fun with it. I'll, I'll get you a copy of but, it. But like some people listen to those and are so embarrassed by what they hear, and I I do get that. But like when I hear mine, and, and again, different worlds in what we do. But like I I see like. Wow, man, I was obviously not very good then. I feel like I'm at a different level now. You know, there's been some real growth and improvement in things. Like, do you ever give yourself like that kind of credit? Or do you just go, oh, man, this is crap. There's no way I'm listening to this. Oh, well, I don't I don't go back and listen often. I, I think yeah. what I'll do is I, I have it. I have it because it is fun to have. And if, you know. Um, if the kids ever want to hear it or like if, if I, I mean, I give it to you guys and you guys can make some fun of it and have, have, have a go at it. That's, that's the fun part for Mm -hmm. me. But, oh, some of it is just atrocious. Like some of it is just, um, yeah. Oh, that's just awful. I just find I myself, I, I'm listening. And, and we, I'm just, at the time, we thought it was great, didn't we? Oh, dear. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I just thought, how could no one else want to hire me? This is insane. And I'm listening to these breaks, and I'm just pandering, pandering, pandering. It's just, but, hey, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, it's, I don't know how many people, well, I, I, I talk to a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of interns, uh, um, 
I've done some things, you know, with students at Lindenwood, at Webster, at different colleges. I taught for about six or seven years. I taught um, a, a Ralph Stanley used to be with the Broadcast Center. Yeah, I know. You Ralph. know, and and then it became Bryant College during the lockout in 0405. And he said, hey, we got some people that are interested. Just reached out of the blue, met with them. And, and so for a while, I, I taught a, a play-by-play class for them. Um, man, you can study whatever you want, but there's nothing that beats reps. Yeah. And the coolest thing for young people these days is those reps can now happen on your cell phone. Remember, we had to go. I got. I would practice baseball in the summer, and I would take a clipboard, and I get the I'd get the post dispatch when I was home in the summer, and I would cut out the box scores and notes, and I would literally tape everything to a clipboard. And I'd go down to Bush Stadium. I'd buy a five dollar bleacher ticket, or I'd sit way in the upper deck. And try and find an area if nobody was there at a certain game. And I had a tape recorder, a microphone, I bought a scorecard, and on my clipboard. And I would practice doing innings that way. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, you just, man, you just put it on on your phone and you could sit there. Kids that want to do video and, and get into TV, you know, oh my gosh, before, remember we used to have to, you know, borrow those massive cameras from yeah. somebody if AV you had a club. friend that was yeah. lucky enough to have one. And yeah. Now you just put your phone on a thing and, and practice your on-camera presence. It's, it's really awesome. My son makes stop-motion videos, like with, with, with our with our iPad. Like it's it's crazy. It's awesome. But you talk about that though. It is really amazing because I remember you know having those moments as well where I would be in the car. Uh, that that's kind of where I did a lot of my practices. I would be front selling and back selling records, um, you know, trying to make it sound as cool as I could, pushing the limits of like, all right, Donnie, how much can you give? Just kind of trying to find out that that sort of way. And the thing that really sucks is that. I was given amazing opportunities to work myself out on the air. You know, I did midnight to 6 a.m. for almost a year, um, which even then wasn't even really a long time. But, like, the the poor kids today, man, they... There's no place for them to be able to do that. There's no overnight shift on most stations. There's no night shift on most stations. So, and like you say, reps is the way that you do it, even on my side of things. Okay, so here... How many times... So, so for fans that don't know this about you too, Donnie, like... I think people have gotten to the, especially with radio, having gotten to the point where there's, it's so much corporate influence and data driven, okay, where, you know, and then conglomerate based, where they'll say, okay, we own a station in Anaheim, Dallas, St. Louis, and Philadelphia, and... For the most part, you guys are running the same dang playlist. Here's what has to be played. Here's what's when. All right. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool, what you guys do and what you do with Tommy on the point, I don't think they know this. You guys still meet once a week and go through music. Yeah. You know, hey, we're going to play this. We're going to play more. We're going to give a band a chance. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. There's that. And I, and I have to think that, that especially because you guys understand this market, you're not trying to broadcast radio shows or music to to Mobile, Alabama, you know, or to, you know, Ypsilanti, Michigan. And because you guys know that and you know this, I think it leads to why this radio station and, and, and the point is so dang successful is because you have that approach. But there's there's old school to that. Now, having said that, how many times as you were coming up through the ranks, were you sitting at a stoplight or driving down the highway and out loud, 
not just in your head, mm-hmm. out loud, we're 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 playing DJ. Oh, you yeah. were, you would say you might hear something and you'll turn that radio down and you'll 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 say a segment out loud. You know, 100%. Well, even now, man, I'm such a psycho. I I will so like when I go when we went to Fort Morgan, we went on vacation. As soon as we got into Mobile on the way, I remember scanning through the stations. Yep. And then I start to do the breaks how I would do them, and there and, and this was this is so silly. So there was a jock, um, and I don't again. I would assume he was automobile, and he said that there are only two retired numbers in all of professional sports. All right, that that are that are retired for the entire sport. He said Jackie Robinson and Wayne Wait. Gretzky for hockey, and that's not correct. That's not accurate. It, it's. Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. I did not shut up about that for two days while we were on vacation to the point where Mary's like, honey, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure you're probably right. Maybe somebody told him something different. Just relax. Yeah, but But what? Okay, so nobody in hockey is ever going to wear the number 99 again. You'd have to be... Like it's just like it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you, I, I can go so many different ways with this at the moment, right? This is why you and I are bald. We rub the top of our foreheads <laughs> right. like this, right? right? And like I thought it was genetics. Turns out it was just a, it's just, it was just a nervous habit that actually right. just you know rub, rubbed it dry. The the uh, um, boy, could you imagine what Jeff would have said if I just said that on. This thing where oh. this podcast would go right there. Thank God. Yeah. Like, like, you know what? Though? Somebody no. please clip this and send that to him yeah, so he absolutely. will say it anyway. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right. Two things. Let's start. Hockey and baseball. All right. At the time that Major League Baseball retired Jackie Robinson's number 42, you had plenty of people that were still wearing that number. Mm-hmm. You had move on, um, I believe, was move on one uh David Ortiz I think um was uh Tory Hunter I think might have been I'm another sure one Tory Hunter was okay yeah. and 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 there were others that that were wore, that wore number 42 and and a lot of them wore it because it was Jackie Robinson's number sign of respect okay yep. um obviously we know Bruce Suter wore number 42 you know when when, when he played and all but then baseball retired that number okay which is why if you're a Cardinal fan you go out there you actually see Jackie Robinson and Bruce Suter around that number 42. Nobody's wearing number 99. You know, um, there was a player. Was it Carolina or was it the Islanders? That was wearing number 66. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even then some people raised some eyebrows. That's Mario Lemieux's number. Right. And, and they, boy, it takes some guts to wear that number. You're like, okay, well, hang on a minute. Like somebody had to wear, you know. Somebody in baseball has got to wear number three. You know, Babe Ruth's number isn't retired, you know, for everybody. Um, you, you So athletic trainers now, especially in hockey, and, and I don't agree with this, uh, they hold numbers back. So, for example, once Chris Pronger was traded, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wore number 44 until Daryl Sador, maybe? Wow. Okay. Right. Um, and even then, it bothered people. Uh, should Brandon Saad have been given number twenty After right then Stainer, and then? Right. And he did. Some people think it never should have happened. You know, 
I don't so much have a, a problem with it. It doesn't change my respect for Alexander Steen. Um, now, I could make the case that maybe 20 should be retired after what Steen did with it, and go look at the numbers. You know, and maybe this eventually pulls us into some of the topics you have from Blue standpoint. Had David Perron re-signed with the Blues, I'd almost dang near guarantee that 57 probably gets retired with where he would have finished right. in, in, in a lot of the numbers. Um, but but trainers are actually will hold numbers back, you know, and and not give them to players for whatever reason. So in that sense, it's almost like they they kind of control a retired number system, you know. And then and then well then there was Bobby Plager. Okay, so you had Rob Ramage that wore number five. Mm-hmm. We've had other people since uh, obviously since Bob Bobby had retired, but you had Rob Ramage that wore number five. You had you had Garth Butcher. That war number five. But in the early 2000s, when the Blues gave Alexei Gusarov the number five, mm. I don't know. Like, Bobby was pissed. <laughs> like, I mean, he was mad. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but yeah. I get it. <laughs> like, he was, he was mad about it. Like, that number meant something, and he loved what Rob Ramage stood for. Yeah. He loved what Garth Butcher stood for. Yeah. And, man, the Blues made that deal for Alexei Gusarov with Colorado. They brought him in. They gave him number five. They, they were, at one point in time, Mike Kitchen was just bag skating the holy hell out of Alexei Gusarov to the point that Gusarov just goes over to the bench, and he's laying down <laughs> just on a bench with his arms out like he's just totally dead. And Bobby's like, take that number. Like, Bobby couldn't have been happier. When that when he was gone at the end of that next year, and then it was the guy next, and, and he said this before he got here, the next guy that will wear number five is going to be Barrett Jackman, you know. And yeah. so re- retired numbers isn't there, but you're right. Wayne Gretzky's number yeah. is not retired yeah, across it, hockey, and that's but and that's so crazy but though too it, with with those. It, oh no 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 no! I just mean that that the retired number thing can be crazy because like when does it? How do you judge that? When does it end? At the end of the day, if the Cardinals keep retiring numbers at this rate, there's not going to be any numbers to wear. So that's why the Cardinals? So the Cardinals, now, the retired number thing is kind of morphed. And I forget exactly what system, because we had talked to them about this, because the Blues were, are are working on some things that this relates to. Um, I don't think... Moving forward, your number's getting retired unless you're You're a a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Now, what might change that is Adam Wainwright. Yeah, Um, Molina and Pujols are going to be Hall of Famers. Okay. So, from a blue standpoint, when we retired Chris Pronger's number, and, and there's great, Donnie, there's great debates about this because, for example... Some would look at, say, his numbers as a blue and say you shouldn't have retired number 44. There was actually debate. For me, for you, this seems like a no-brainer, right? It's the overriding career of the player that was a part right. of your organization. Okay, so but, but what does that leave you then with? So um, uh, if you look at, for example, Alexander Steen, okay, over 10 years with the team. No, he wasn't captain. 
But we can make the argument that he should have been, and he was definitely a true leader in this organization. Um, look at where when he retired, where his numbers were. He's top 10 in every category. Mm-hmm. And higher, I think he might be four or five in some of them. I, I got to double check. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't kind of prep for this part of the segment. <laughs> okay, so um, you, you can make the case. Like, oof, should. Um, Gary Unger's number. You know, like there are others that you could make the case. When, when Bobby Plager's number got retired, it wasn't Bobby... The number five got retired. Like, if you look at the Blues' retired numbers, everyone up there is almost up there for a different reason. It wasn't just they were off-the-chart Hall of Famers, sure-fired Hall of Famers. Bobby Gassoff's related to, you know, what he meant to the team, the type he was, and then it was a form of healing with the the tragedy of his death. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh Al McInnes, clearly what he did on the ice was one of the greatest defensemen of his generation. Half of which, though, was still with Calgary. Calgary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Barkley Plager, heart and soul of this organization. That's clear. Bernie Federko, the true blue. Mm-hmm. Right. Brett Hall, enough said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris Pronger, Hall of Famer. You know, you look at what he did. Wins the Norris, wins the wins the MVP. The only other person to have done that prior to him was. Bobby Orr, that was the last person to do it. Okay, but then you got you got Bobby Plager. What he did on the ice isn't going to you aren't going to retire his number. But fifty total years with the organization, everything he grew to meant. We fought for a while actually, and and then got that, and then and then it got done. And and it, and it may be number eight coming down to pick up the number five, go up. Maybe the best retirement jersey ceremony we've ever seen. So there's all these different reasons. Um, some teams like the Boston Red Sox. You have to. There's requirements that are along the lines of, and I'll probably get one of these wrong, but you have to you have to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You had to play X number of years with the Red Sox. You had to retire, and I think the I was a Red Sox, and I think they changed that rule for Carlton Fisk. I think I think if that's right, but I'm I'm really jumped. So that's retired numbers is a fascinating one that gets people going. Let me throw this one out at you, and we've debated this one on the podcast before too. Yeah. What about David Bax's number being retired? And and I was outvoted by Jeff and Jamie. I was the only that that was that was pro. And I understand it, it's just if he it, had I, okay. <clears throat> no, yeah. And the hard part when you answer a question like that with no is you feel like you're blasting the guy a hundred percent, and that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, but you do have to have. A retired number puts you in rarefied air with a franchise. Mm-hmm. Rarefied air is different than being revered as a player. Because to your point, you can get to the point you retired number. Like eventually with Toronto and Montreal, they had to stop retiring numbers and, and they made them honored numbers. This is another way to go with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your ring of honor is a way of, you know, you're... you're your own franchise Hall of Fame, like the Cardinals have done, different than, you know, and I know the Blues have had discussions about that kind of thing, um, detailed ones, then, like, that's a way of honoring those players, mm-hmm. you know, along along those kind of lines. 
you know, John Tudor is never going to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, right. but as a Cardinal Hall of Famer for that, for what he, okay, you, you get that. That's the kind of thing there. The retired numbers, like, I don't know who your next retired number is for the St. Louis Blues. I had it in my mind. I'm still bummed about this, actually. Okay? I'm still stunned that David Perron yeah. didn't get re-signed. I, I, like, I really thought... I, I actually, even as I try to to think, the, I, I understand you know a little bit of what's going on. But even as I look at that, I go, I don't like. But I really kind of started looking at it, thinking, you know what? Like I could justify, based on franchise numbers, what he meant, and all this stuff. I could justify retiring Alexander Steen's number mm-hmm. because the one thing that has put Steen, who knows about Shen down the road, if he plays out this whole contract, David Perron, all those guys, what. What put what puts them in a different category than Bacchus, Oshie, Bergen, you know, some of those other guys is they is they won the cup. Yep. Okay. So right now that, that that's, a, that's yeah. a different level. Um but you would have a heck of a debate from people, even with Alexander Steen. I think if you if David Perron were to have played three more years with the St. Louis Blues, we are having I'm I am i am not gonna go so far as to say it was a no doubter, but we are clearly having a strong discussion about that. I am. I am. Pardon and, me, and and then at that point, if you happen to win a cup over that time, those final years, well, then, then it almost becomes a no doubter. Yeah, you know? yeah. Then it's cemented. I, I got to tell you, Curbs, I am still the 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 Peron thing is still something that I'm struggling with, and I appreciate if you're going to get on me about this, but I already had my heart set on and had purchased a Matthew Kachuk Blues jersey. I hadn't really, but in my brain I had. And I got to tell you, those two things. It's those... found money. Now you can go to, now you can go buy something else. Right. 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 Now, now but, go out to dinner. Right. Uh, but, but those two things happening leave this very sort of weird taste in my mouth about this team, and it shouldn't because this is a really – excellent hockey team that has eight 20 goal scores or whatever it is but for whatever reason curbs in my head it feels like the last couple of weeks of and free agency has been a loss yeah because you're looking at this and you're asking a question which i think is a fair question to ask right now are you are is the team better now than they were right at, at the end of the season and i think that's my big issue and i don't know that you can say yes to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and play Russian roulette on that answer um, at the moment. So, so let's let's get into that a little bit. Unpack it a little, okay, as let's, they say. Yeah, let's 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 unpack this a little bit. Um, I really thought, and I and I need to preface this when I say this. This is Chris Kerber's opinion. This is my opinion. Yes, not. Not the teams, okay? I'm going to make sure I disclaim <laughs> Clarify, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tweeted something that was political in nature and was told I needed to add opinions on my own to my to my Twitter bio. I've had to have okay. to do that too. Yeah. So, all right. So, anyway, the uh, like, really, if I add that, then I can tweet that? <laughs> Based on this conversation, I still don't think I'm going to go down that road again, but right. I will add it to my Twitter bio, okay? All right. I'm just. I'm not sure that adding that to my Twitter bio is going to get me out of the clear of doing more along those lines. That ain't going to so. make this next meeting about this better. Yeah, no way. Yeah, no so, way. 
I'm going to show you I'm coachable. I heard you. I'm going to add that to my Twitter bio, and then I'm going to take a break from that stuff, okay? Um, so, but I, 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 I do sometimes with this, especially with this topic here. Um, I, I, I thought this was going to be a no-brainer. I, I really did. I thought you make some other moves to make it happen because he he's still a point of playing game player over the last two years, uh, and he's clearly taking care of his body. The only physical hesitation you have is is the concussion part, mm-hmm. and and I can understand that hesitation. Um, you do I, look if look David Perron is still a St. Louis Blue if the flat cap doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I I still think that there were other ways to probably get it done, and you had to use some other cap. Um, scenarios to, to make it happen and some of them may have been uncomfortable but maybe you do it uh but he wanted to be here and he was a leader in the room he was vocal there there's to me there's a character aspect to this topic mm-hmm. that goes beyond david perron so t- to me and, and in a good way i don't want that to sound negative it, it i i was i was stunned like many Blues fans were, when it didn't happen. Now, there is the business side. Whether it was Doug Armstrong thinking, I'm setting this up, you know, to make a run at Matthew. Look, if you had re-signed David Perron at four point something, I don't know how you're finding a way. Because, because look, even, even even without David Perron, you still were going to have to clear eight and a half to nine million dollars in space for this year so as it sits right now the blues have 200 according to cap friendly two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cap space so you are going to have to move out to get matthew kachuk and sign him to even even if even if the first year was his qualifying offer at nine million and then beyond that nine million bucks how are you going to do it okay tarasenko's at, at seven and a half Falk, Pareko, Krug are at six and a half. You're moving uh, Shen's at six and a half, okay? You're moving one of those plus another piece. You have no choice. You have no choice. Who are you moving? Okay, well, a lot of people lean towards Tarasenko because of the trade request and whatever. I haven't been able to confirm yet, at least from the team, whether or not that's still on the table. All right? Um, and that's a, that's a fun to st- another topic maybe for another day. But I, I think there was great success. I think Pavel Butchnevich. I think Vladimir had fun. I, I mean, I wonder where it all sits. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't know. So, but but somebody else is going to go. Okay, so let's let's say it's it, it's Krug that that you're going to deal, right? And by the way, those guys had no trade clauses that could actually say yes or no. So that that made this extraordinarily difficult. Remember when the Blues got Ryan O'Reilly? That deal ended up happening. Patrick Berglund ended up being part of that deal. If Patrick Berglund's agent had put Buffalo on the list, I don't know that we get Ryan O'Reilly done. That's right. Okay? So keep that in mind with these no-trade clauses. I totally forgot about that, right. too. So so now, let's just assume you could have moved one of those guys. Which one are you moving? Mm-hmm. And then at what hole? But let's say, so let, let's let's just make the argument that it was Vladimir Tarasenko at 7.5. You still had to free up another 1.5. Right. Okay? If you had David Perron... And even at four point two, let's just say a renewed deal at four. If you had David Perron at four, I, I got to free up five point five. Right. Okay. Now what I'm doing? So then to pull that off, okay, 
I'm getting rid of a Tarasenko salary and a Krug or a Falk. Or I'm not signing Letty. Mm-hmm. Okay? So maybe you sign Perron and not Letty. Okay? Now we're back to the problem that we had that caused us to go get Letty. Who are you going to sign on the defense? You weren't good enough defensively. Mm-hmm. All right? So I can understand the business side of that. I don't like it. But for me, I still want to say, like, the Matthew Kachucks was a gamble. And you had to put yourself to be part of that gamble, and and they did. And it just it, that didn't go their way. If they knew that this was going to go this way with Matthew Kachuk, do you find a way to, to keep David Perron? It's a, that's a great question yeah. that Doug Armstrong probably won't answer until several years into retirement. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so I don't know how that all goes. I could understand fans' frustrations, but now the pressure's on the young guys to – to grow, yeah, absolutely, and I think you and I and I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times before, and I absolutely mean this, and and I think people know this because I there's no reason for me to BS on this podcast, but like I have never in the history of my time as a sports fan trusted a GM like I trust Doug Armstrong. Why? Just because to me the track record. And I don't ask for, that because I disagree. I'm asking why. Because the track record to me speaks for itself. To me, the track record is way more hits and, than misses. And because he seemingly does one of the most masterful jobs, curbs, at least to me, of looking a year in advance, two years in advance, three years in advance, where I'm not. Listen, I'm worried about Stanley Cup next year, but clearly he is has this organization seemingly in a in the best place humanly possible since I've been a fan and I love it. Okay, so here's my question. Are the are the Blues right now a championship caliber team? Can they win the Stanley Cup this next year? I mean, it, I'll be truthful. I think that they're a good team. I have a very hard time believing, Curbs, that they are an elite team. I believe. Now, I don't know if they win game six with Jordan Bennington. I don't know if they win game seven if you get there with Colorado with Jordan Bennington. You took game one to overtime. You won game two. I mean, you almost you, you that easily could have had a 2 nothing lead, but you didn't. Again, and if... You know, if my aunt had a mustache, she'd be my uncle, right? <laughs> I mean, if Achari doesn't get tripped up, do the Blues win? I don't know. Okay, there, there's yeah. a whole lot of there's there's a lot of ifs and buts that have to go your way. I keep the picture on my phone of Jamie Ben's wraparound in, in the second overtime of Game Seven with that puck on the goal line. It's on the goal line, Donnie. Mm-hmm. That was ninety seconds before Pat Maroon won it. Okay, you were you were. A Ryan O'Reilly toe hook away, or just one less. You you were a half of an inch of a groin stretch away from that ending in the second round, and we're still living in misery as Blues fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got to get the bounces. I I I think the Blues had a team last year that could win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Okay, so now you look at this year, and Piranha's gone. So the team that I felt could win a Stanley Cup last year, if they get past Colorado. The main piece that's gone is David Perron. And that's a that's a sizable offensive piece, by the way. Okay, now look at those offense. Look at those power play numbers. Somebody else is going to fill that in. Does Brandon Saad get more time? Does Kyra get more? Time? Who gets that time? I don't know. We'll wait and find out. Okay, so 
But the question for me is not what's going to happen in the top six to make you a championship team. The question for me going into this year now is how are you going to define the bottom six? Who's on it? Mm-hmm. Is Braden Shen playing on the wing in your top in your top six? I mean, I would think he or, would be. Okay, all right. Or is he playing center in your top nine? He's been a better centerman than he has been a winger. And he's willing to do both, okay? But if Braden Shen is in your top six as a winger, as it sits right now, I don't think you're deep enough in your bottom six to win a Stanley Cup as it sits right now. Mm-hmm. Questions have to be answered. Is it costing? Uh, is it somebody else? You got to wait till December for Toropchenko to come back. Mm-hmm. Achari's going to be there. Is Barbashev at center? Is he at wing? Who's playing center on that third and fourth line if Shen is a winger in your top six? Mm-hmm. Okay. For, for, in my opinion, for the Blues to be a championship caliber team with the way it's built now that we've gone through free agency, something I still believe from last year. Brandon Saad is on your third line. Not because he can't play in your top six, mm-hmm. but because with a guy of Brandon Saad's caliber on your third line and then getting time penalty killing, a la Oscar Sundquist, what he did, that kind of thing, okay? And Saad has more offensive ability than, than Sundquist did. But then you're starting to get the kind of depth you need. Mm-hmm. For example, if your third line, and we got to be somewhat, if, 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 if your third line is in somehow a combination of Shen, Saad, Barbashev? That's a hell of a third line. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, for that to happen, for that to happen, Jake Neighbors, Zach Bolduc, somebody we've never heard of or thought of, potentially, have got to slide into your top six. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing that has to happen for that to happen is Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas have to have top six level consistency. Yeah, Cairo had it for the first half of the season, was not very good and strong in the second half. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got pieces like Shen and Sot and Barbashev that can play up the lineup. Maybe while those guys are getting it, but those guys, one way or another, have got to get have got to get it. Mm-hmm. Not re-getting David Perron re-signed has forced that scenario to you where you've got to get it. If that happens, then all of a sudden Achari, Toropchenko, and whomever, because it's not Dakota Joshua anymore with him going to Vancouver, you know, get you some of that uh, identity that you'll have to figure out on the fourth line. Boy. That that's how I tie Perron and the, and the lack of Kachuk, all that stuff together here on that front. But but that's a lot of question marks that you have to let play out. And the one thing in the National Hockey League these days. You don't have a whole lot of time for things to play out. No. If it doesn't go right early enough, you you could you could put yourself in a pickle by Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we saw it in 2019. Well, and I mean and it's just so amazing how good the West is and like you say, if you get off to a slow start, you could hose your I mean you could really put yourself behind the eight balls. Well, Colorado's the the cream of the crop in this division. Uh, Chicago is now gone. Okay, they're they're at the bottom. Um, Minnesota. I don't know that they're better 
but as is, they're they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Nashville, good enough to make the playoffs. All right. Again, they're gonna they're gonna hope for some improvement. Improve, some of their guys well, they're too. gonna hope from players progressing in their improvement, just like the Blues are. Yeah. So if you assume the Blues are going to get it, which is going to make them competitive, let's assume Nashville is. This still remains, maybe. Uh, actually, th- this still remains, in my opinion, the, the the toughest division, and it's been that way for a long time in the in the NHL, with, 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 without a doubt. I hey, like it and hate right, it though. I got I'm, one scenario I'm going to throw at you. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I got a scenario I'm going to throw at you, and then you can throw it to the guys on the podcast next time. All right. To see what they think. Would the best thing for the St. Louis Blues, and I'm asking this, people, I'm not saying that this is what should happen. He's got a devilish look in his eyes, so I have no idea what's coming. Got to make sure that people, I got one on record that I'm just asking for the sake and fun of discussion. Not saying that I believe this or think this should happen. Yeah. Would the best thing this year for the St. Louis Blues be... To slip on the proverbial banana peel, crash in the standings, and somehow find their way into a top three pick. Oh, no, Curbs. I, I can't go along that line of thinking. I just can't. I, okay. Okay. Now, wait a minute. All right. Hang on. All right. You did say that you don't think right now that as it is, this is a championship team right now. No. But I don't think that they're terribly oh. far away either. Okay, so all right, I'm with you. All right, okay. so I'm I'm I think I'm falling right into your I'm trap. With you. Whatever it is, okay, <laughs> I'm with you here. So so I don't know what the prospect pool looks like for next year. All right, so again, this is this is all hypothetical, and and again, my disclaimer. Please remember my disclaimer. Right, I'm having fun with a discussion, not advocating a position. All right, but if you believe that. You've got a growing core with Thomas and Cairo, neighbors or Bolduc, maybe both over the next couple of years. You've got your defense all locked in. You've got your top four of Krug, Pareko, Letty, Falk locked in. Mikola coming along, Bortuzzo, another two years. Okay? Your defense is locked in. You got your goaltender set for the next five years. Supposedly, that's the hope. And we hope we see what we saw in the playoffs from him, okay? From a forward standpoint, at the end of this year, O'Reilly and Tarasenko are UFAs. I'm going to assume Tarasenko moves on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume you re-sign Ryan O'Reilly and his leadership because I can't think of a better player in the NHL to have around younger kids as they're coming along. You've got Shen continued to be locked up long-term. You've got Thomas locked up. At some point, you're probably going to get Kairou locked up. Yeah. Okay. You slip on that banana peel, and now somehow you find a Steven Stamkos with a top three pick. Now, this happened... To Tampa, Donnie, if you go back and re- and, and look, remember it was two thousand and and it was oh eight when Stamkos got drafted first overall. Tampa still had Vinny LeCavalier. They had Martin Saint Louis. Right? They had some really good players. They slipped on the banana peel and crashed. And they were only four years off of winning the Stanley Cup. Okay? They end up with the first overall pick. They take Stamkos. 
Now they get Vasilevsky coming along. And, okay, yes, it did take them a while to win that Stanley Cup with Stamkos, but they were good for a while. They went with Ben Bishop and that. Remember, they went to some Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. They went to some conference finals. Right? Right. Sustained so, excellence. So right I ask there. you this question again right now. Would it be the worst thing in the world if they slipped on the proverbial banana peel this year and it ended up with a massively high draft pick I, listen, for the future? Listen, but Curbs, listen. Oh, baby. Okay, listen, though. If we're going to have this discussion with you and I, we have to factor in, okay, well, then how are my Cardinals this time next year? How did my Buffalo Bills season do? Because that all plays into uh, how I would answer this, this is, question. Yes, I understand. I understand. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely... Basically, I'm I'm twerking with your mental health <laughs> right. is what I'm doing right there. <laughs> but you know, but it's a fascinating. Yeah. No, okay, you can't tank. You're too good of a team. Yeah. Okay, so you're not pulling in Arizona. All right, you're not you're not tanking. I'm not saying that. But if some of the question marks don't pan out, it ain't the end of the world in this scenario here. Okay. Now, I'm asking that question at the same breath that I'm saying that I'm thinking you're. You're a veteran piece away in your depth chart of staying a, a, a Stanley Cup contender mm-hmm. with the way you set up your defense now. So uh, it's it's it, it could it could really kind of go both ways there, but either way, so now. Look, the team's not looking at it that way. Nobody right. is. You're hoping that neighbors are bold. Bolduc had a hell of a rookie camp, I was told. Um, it was leaps and bounds above most and probably could have given more. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with, uh, with if there's a rookie tournament and then coming into camp here. Uh, but nonetheless... You're right. This team's still a a very well-coached team, a well-built team. They're going to be good. The young kids are going to have to step up and fill some holes in a big way to sustain that. And then the next level of of course, when Doug Armstrong took over, he had Bacchus, Berglund, and Oshie, Mm -hmm. Petro, and, and, and Steen as his core. That shifted to Tarasenko, Schwartz, Steen, Petro, and Pareko. That's now shifting from a youth standpoint. So I'm not I'm not nixing O'Reilly or Shen or any of this, but that's now shifting towards Thomas, Cairo, who knows Bolduc or or, or um, neighbors, Pareko, Mikola, uh, if if Mikola comes along. So um, it, it's a it, it's it's kind of like in in Doug's twelve years has shifted this franchise into three different young cores that have kept them as one of the most competitive teams in the league. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's really incredible. And that's why when I see people, like, trashing Army or doing anything about, or, like, you know, really questioning that guy, I just it pisses me off so much because I'm like, guys, look at what he has done. Do you remember what it was like before him? Yeah. That mat, that absolute madness like this is just something like that i have just always hoped for the blues you know what i mean because it's well, yeah, not but donnie real quick you know so your two most successful gms in blues history from a winning percentage standpoint larry plo larry plo and doug armstrong well doug armstrong won larry plo too mm-hmm. that stretch from 96 to 0405 the lockout was actually from a 
win percentage standpoint, the most successful decade the Blues had had in franchise history. Yeah. The down period you're talking about is in the heyday, frankly, for a lot of current big Blues fans now, was from kind of 05-06 to 11-12, let's say. Okay? Now, in that window, you had the Bill Laurie ownership sell to the Dave Checkett's ownership. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Dave Checkett's ownership sell to the Tom Stillman ownership. What, in 2012? Mm -hmm. It was. So you had that part. The team, the year before the 0405 year long lockout, still made the playoffs, but they made it as the eighth seed. And that was only a few years separated from having won the President's Trophy, making trades, bringing in Scott Mellenby's, Keith Kachucks, and, and and those guys. They just couldn't get their goaltender. They made a pitch for, they made a great pitch for Dominic Hoshik and just couldn't land him. Hoshik said no. Um, so then, then the down window was really not all that long. It really wasn't. And, and this may fry some people. You have to give some credit to what happened hockey ops-wise in turning the franchise around under the Dave Chekich regime with Yarmo Kekalainen and and Larry Plo and John Davidson mm-hmm. because that's when they that's when they started making the trades of Doug Waite twice forcing Doug to take that second trade to Anaheim. That's when they traded Bill Guerin you know, to San Jose for the draft pick. That's when they traded Keith Kachuk to Atlanta and then got him back, you know, and signed him. And those draft picks turned into Ivan Barbashev, David yeah. Perron, and Jordan Bennington. But in the process, they also drafted Oshi, Backus, Berglund, Eric Johnson. And, and and those guys that took the franchise in a pretty good hurry compared to what we've seen with the Buffalo Sabres, with the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, with the Edmonton Oilers, you know, with other teams like that. They, they took that and, and kind of gave some excitement that going from last place to in 06 to the playoffs in 09. Yeah. Pretty good. Man, I love hockey so much. And this just this particular fall with the Blues, with my Buffalo Bills, like this is a very exciting time selfishly for Donnie the sports fan. It, well, what's your other team? Well, I'm a, a Card- Cardinal fan. Yeah, Cardinals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardinals in baseball, Blues in hockey, obviously. Bills in football, and then are you from Buffalo? No, no, I'm from here. I'm born and raised here. How the hell did you become such a Bills guy? Well, let me tell you. Uh, so when I was growing up, my dad loved John Riggins and the Washington Redskins. Like yeah. loved them. Yeah. So I disliked virtually every team in the NFC East. Was I didn't like forty four. I'm sorry, now? It was Riggins number 44. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Big rig. Yeah. And so I just never really felt like the Cardinals were my team. So about that time uh, that they were moving, the Buffalo Bills offense with Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly uh-huh. was, you know, it was on CBS every week. I was able to watch it, and I jumped on the bandwagon and then have never have never came off. So I have suffered and suffered and suffered. Your family so, ever get on you a little bit, like when you're in the car and you're asking, how do I go? Instead of saying turn left, they say wide left. <laughs> Did they ever do that to yeah, you? That is, no, no, I'll tell you what, no, they didn't. But poor Matthew Rocchio for, from, for Smallman and Carriker, he was putting together uh, those questions for Randy, and last week he had a Scott Norwood question. Yeah. And I walked up to him afterwards, I was like, why do we got to keep bringing that up? 
What 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 is the what is the point of continuing to bring up poor Scott Norwood and that kick over? What what did the city of Buffalo ever do to you that that is something that you just feel the need to rehash and rehash and rehash? Well, didn't Marv Levy Marv Levy coached at Country Day for a little while? Did he really? I believe, I believe he did. I I just saw a picture of Marv the other day, and he still looks fantastic. And he's um, like 98. Yeah. It's crazy. So anyway, Curbs, I got to go be on the radio. Thank you so much for for stepping in today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we rambled for a while. Sorry about that. Hey, this is what we do. That's That's the beauty. That's just bouncing bouncing ideas around. This is the beauty of the podcast, and that's why we love doing it, man, because sometimes we get into... You know what I mean? Diatribes about whatever. And, and you know, they can't tell us to shut up when we're doing it on the podcast. <laughs> Chris Kerber, awesome. thank you as always. You got it, Donnie. All, All right. week. For Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton, it is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.